0: Welcome to Matamela Podcast, where we explore with you and our guests, travel topics that push the boundaries in celebration of the human experience. I am your co-host, Bob Spurl, here in Chicago, alongside my trusted co-host, Greg Traversa out in Stockton, California. How are you doing, Greg? Doing great, Bob. How are you? I am good. I'm really excited about today's today's episode. We have a very special guest with us, and uh, Debbie uh, Archangelis is the host of The Offbeat Life a podcast where she interviews travelers who ditched their nine-to-five to to become remote entrepreneurs and digital nomads. She's also the co-founder of HowToCreateAPodcast.com. It's a great uh, consulting agency and resource where she helps serious podcasters gain authority and income through their show. So, Debbie, it's great to be with you today, and thanks for joining us. We're excited to have you on.
1: Thanks so much, Bob and Greg, for having me. I'm so excited to talk to you both.
0: Oh, welcome debbie you are a nomad but you are in a physical place right now where, where are you today <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah so i'm i'm technically a location independent um entrepreneur uh i'm in new york city my base is in new york city so
0: so we are we are coast to coast today we have yeah. uh, california new york and, and we've got the midwest and this is great so i'm excited so, Debbie, we, um, you know, before we get into uh, the conversation, we we want to let people know uh, if you're listening to us, you like what you hear. Feel free to follow us, uh, give us a nice review at Matamo, and also Debbie's podcast too. And we'll talk more about that at the end as well. But. Uh, she's the offbeat life, um, and uh, feel free to take a look at that and leave a review on iTunes as well for her. <laughs> so, Debbie, we will get right in. And the first question I have for you is a pretty straightforward one, but we would love to know more about you. W- what do you like to do? Um, you know, tell us about about who you are. Right. So, so you're, you're new to our listeners, so we'd love to to hear more about you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as Bob mentioned, I have a podcast called The Offbeat Life where I help people really transition from a nine to five to be able to work from anywhere and still travel at the same time. I think that was one of the main driver, actually was the main driver for me to start my own podcast because I wanted to get realistic advice from people who actually really wanted um, or actually did it, right? And at that time, I didn't really know anyone. There was no one in my circle who doing it. Now, because of the pandemic, everyone, you know, even your mom and your aunt are all like <laughs> working remotely. So, um, but around that time, I started in 2017, no one really did that, you know, at least in my circle. And thankfully, we have the internet. And I created a whole circle of people, I interviewed a ton of remote entrepreneurs and digital nomads. And that's how it all started. And luckily, for me, a year and a half from um, after starting my show, I was able to leave my nine to five to do it full time. So I was really fortunate to be able to do that. But so I was actually born. Uh, so we'll go back right from the beginning. Yeah, I'd love to <laughs> not that. too long. Um, <laughs> I was born in the Philippines. I came here when I was around eight or nine and travel for me was not really something that was for leisure. Right. The first experience I ever had with traveling was really for immigration. You know, it was a way for my family to get a better life. Um, You know, I didn't see my mom for years and years uh, since I was around two because of, um, you know, travel or being in a different country. So that was really my first taste of it. My dad was also in the Merchant Marine, so I didn't see him a lot. So you could probably say in the beginning travel for me wasn't really that great. You know, (laughs) the aspects of it that I actually saw. But as I got older, you know, I was introduced to it again by my dad he was like showing me pictures of places that he's been to all over the world and I became so much more um invested in it and then I worked two or three jobs just to get money to travel and that's really where it all started for me um and where it continues today um not just as something that is uh, leisure but more of a lifestyle that I really wanted from it as well that's
2: really cool. Wow, what a story. You know, um to, to go as far as, you know, from, from the immigrant family coming in, not having your mom and dad around and growing up and, and, and to where you're at now. That's that, what a journey you've been on in your life. And, you know, I was listening to your podcast, which I found very uh, uh, interesting, inspiring, entertaining, and I've really, really been uh, enjoying them since uh, we first got in contact. Uh, On one of the podcasts, you said, I found helping to ignite fire in others has allowed me to impact the lives of so many by encouraging others to take a chance to design a life full of substance and not from circumstance. You also work with people who ditch the norm to become location independent and to create a a sustainable lifestyle and achieve freedom. So Debbie, I'm You know, the next question I have for you is, you know, what does location independent mean for those of us or those that are not quite uh, know the terminology and how does your work give people more freedom?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So location independence just means you have freedom to really work from anywhere, right? If you want to work from home because you have kids and you want to be there for them, especially right now with homeschooling, you have that freedom to do it. If you want to travel the world and do that, you can always do it. So it's all about the freedom that you have with your time and not because, um, you know, you are told by your employers, you need to be in this office. So when you are giving someone that type of freedom, first of all, it's going to change the way they work, right? Uh, Because most of the time, most people, when you go to your nine to five, probably a lot of the percent of that time that you're in your office, you're not really working because you have co-workers, you know, you're talking, um, maybe you're even surfing online, and then maybe three or four hours you're actually working. But the rest of the time, you're not really doing much, right? Or you're distracted by something. But when you're giving that freedom to work from home, to travel, to be able to do it, you're so much more happier. And I've found that with the people that have been able to do this, and for myself as well, because we're not, stuck somewhere you don't feel like you're being enclosed in a space or you're being like um, you're being told to do what you really don't want to do and I think a lot of people have seen that impact in themselves because of the pandemic and now there's so many more people who want to do this lifestyle more, much more per- permanently because I think there was A misconception that if you worked remotely, that it wasn't sustainable or it wasn't, um, you know, it wasn't really stable. And then we actually found out through the pandemic, this is more stable than working a regular job in an office, because even if you're at home, you can still create money. Um, And also another misconception of being location independent is that you have to constantly travel. And that's not it. If you're a digital nomad, you could choose to do that. But there's a difference, right? I could stay at home. If I have kids, I could be here for them when they're coming home from school. Um, you know, I could travel, like I said. So there's so much more freedom in it.
2: Yeah,
0: as um, somebody who who's, um, who's, is more of a creative in my, my day job is in communications and PR. Um, something that you talk about in your podcast resonates with me, Debbie. You talk about how creatives kind of have trouble sometimes monetizing, especially when they first get out. I, I can attest to this, I've been, I've been doing my own thing for a, a while now, but when you first launch out or break out on your own, it, it can be tough, you know? So how do you help people get past the creative phase to the monetization phase? How do they get by the mental roadblocks they might have? And, you know, what are some of those mental roadblocks for somebody who, who really craves that idea of being location independent, but can't quite get to the point where, you know, how am I gonna pay my bills and do this, what I'm passionate about?
1: I think for most people, and I'm speaking for myself and for people who I have spoken to in my interview, is that if you're a creative, you have this mindset that if all of a sudden you start creating income, right, you're selling out right you're selling your work you're an artist you're creative you're it's all about you know the impact you're making man it's not about making money you know like it's such bs and i thought this myself and i was such an idiot to do this because If you're not making income, that's fine, but that's just your hobby then. And there's nothing wrong with that. You can have a hobby you enjoy. You don't need to make any money. That's great, man. That's, you know, awesome. (laughs) But it's another thing if you actually want to go out there and start living this lifestyle that you want, right? I can't eat off of people's likes on my Instagram, (laughs) right? I, I can't feed my family with you telling me how great my work is. I can't even eat off of free travel. That's freaking great. But at the end of the day, I still have to, to make a living. I have to live a life that I, I want. So once you get out of that roadblock with yourself, because it's really you, that there's nothing wrong with making money. Money is not evil. It's what you do to it that's evil. Right. Um, and I I had a huge problem with that. I absolutely had a huge problem with that. So once that mental roadblock of me thinking making money from my work is selling out and I'm not a creative anymore. Um, and then it really started to click. Everything started to click. I'm like, there's nothing wrong if I make money. Actually, this is even better because now I I can be so much more happier. Like I'm doing something that I love and I can make money from it. I mean, I'm like, this is the freaking dream. So I think you just need to take that out of, you know, your, your mindset that like making money is bad if you're enjoying it too. Cause you know, like we don't go to school being told, do what you love and make money from it. We're being told like, go to school, get a freaking job. Then two weeks, you enjoy your life when you retire in your sixties then you can enjoy everything, right? But what happens if you could actually have a bridge between the two? And I think, you know, I think more and more people are doing that now more than ever.
0: You know, it reminds me of, if you're familiar with uh, the story of, of Beeple, you're familiar with the, the the artist that sold uh, for nearly $70 million, he sold this piece of digital art, uh, not to get into the weeds, it was an NFT. So basically it was it was bought through, um, sort of digital uh, currency. But anyways, the, the point is this guy, everyday artist did a collage over, over the course of 5,000 days. And that collage of, of art ended up selling for nearly $70 million. And it was really just him being a creative and, and, uh, day in and day out, kind of going through the grind. And to your point, you know, it's not selling out, right? To to ultimately, take your passion. And, and if somebody finds value in it, that's totally fine. It's fair. That, that's, that that shows that what you're doing is having an impact in some way, you know? So I think that's yeah. really, really interesting.
1: And it's also telling you as a creator that you're doing it right, right? That you're doing something that people actually value and why not get paid for that? And that is one of the biggest things that really makes an impact on you as a person, you know, when someone is willing to pay me for what I created. That's unbelievable. So it's going to change everything once you actually start doing that and having a business mindset. And also that's another thing. Most creatives are not business minded because we're told that that's not a good thing either. Right. So yeah, it's kind of crazy.
2: <laughs> Gosh. Yeah. During this journey of yours, and sounds like very transformational in, in the sense the way you've viewed at least from the standpoint of business and your creations creative side and, and molding those together into was there ever a moment in time that, that stands out during that that journey that you've been on that was a was a game changer like or was it a series of things or was there a a moment in the trajectory of your you know your work that uh you you changed course or something somebody said or the How did that come together for you?
1: Honestly, for me, it was a series of different things that I experienced because I was always the type of person that I would try just anything and everything that interested me. Um, And for most people at that time when I was like, okay, I'm trying this out because this is, this sounds amazing. And for a lot of people who were in my circle at that time, um, they were, you know, we were graduating school, everybody was settling down. They were getting their regular nine to fives. And I'm like, that's just not me. I'm not a nine to five type person. Like I would rather, find something that I'm really passionate about. So what happened was I ended up starting three businesses, failing it, traveling the world, being a photojournalist, like I really went out there to search and that was a thing that I think changed everything. And the reason why I'm here today, if I didn't do all of those things, I would not be here talking to you because I would still be like, maybe I would be in a nine to five still, I would be miserable. (laughs) Um, So I think it was just going out there. That's what really changed everything for me is not being afraid to look for things that interested me and seeing if it was right for me and not, stopping, even though I failed, because I failed so many times, I can't even tell you how many failures I've had. But throughout all of those times where I failed, I learned so much. And I brought everything with me once I finally started my podcast. And it may not seem like they would go together with businesses that I had with the podcast. But business is business, right? You're going to learn all those things and you can pick it up and take it to another one. And if you're doing it the right way, it's still going to work, right? You may just tweak a little things um, and you market it a little differently, but at the end of the day, it's still going to be the same thing.
2: Wow. That's great perspective.
0: What, what, uh, um, you've had a lot of guests on your pod, on your podcast. You've been doing it for now four years, right, Debbie? Are thereabouts.
1: Yeah, yeah, about three and a half
0: years. We'll, we'll round up to four. You're going <laughs> on your fourth year. Um, uh, has there been like a guest, uh, who was an all time favorite? I mean, uh, or somebody that maybe changed the way you look at things or found you, you know, or maybe they just were super entertaining or interesting. Maybe not a favorite, but who is sort of one of the most memorable guests you've had?
1: For me, honestly, it's been the people that have now become my best friends. (laughs) So um, Jacob Fu and Esther are two people that I am really, really close with. Jacob is an absolute genius in business negotiation. Like, so when I started podcasting, nobody really knew how to create income from this. And I couldn't really talk to any podcasters because they were like, you're crazy. You're just starting out. You shouldn't even think about money. Like that's not going to happen. And then I started talking to Jacob and he and his wife run one of the Um, top travel blogs in the entire United States and even the top in the world, right? And he was like, don't listen to those people. Just because they can't do it doesn't mean you can't. You need to have your own lane because no one has started this yet. And you need to figure that out on your own and not listen to naysayers. Mm -hmm. And, And I'm the type of person where I'm like, okay, I'm going to figure this out on my own because if they can't do it, doesn't mean I can't. So Jacob has been super, super instrumental to my success because he really pushed me. So is Esther. Um, and just seeing them and their drive and their hard work um, has been so ridiculous for me. And obviously there's other people that I've interviewed as well on my podcast that have been my my really close friends now because because of that, yeah.
0: That's really cool. Yeah. The, you know, we hear the, we hear travel blog and our, our ears perk up here at Matamo. Um, You know, it's, it's how is what, you know, how has travel uh, played a role in, in your podcast out of curiosity? Have you had a lot of people who travel to, I know you mentioned earlier that uh, location independent doesn't necessarily mean that you're traveling, but I'm sure people that kind of take advantage of that, that opportunity. So, um, you know, how is kind of travel play a role in your in your podcast and in, I guess in your life, too, really?
1: Yeah, ironically, our podcast has been named one of the top travel podcasts, actually, in a ton of different um, publications like um, Forbes in Travel and Leisure, Sports Illustrated, uh, Refinery29, Mike. Uprocks, like all of these places, because it does go along with travel. But mm-hmm. instead of just telling people what to do, what to see, what their favorite spots are, um, what are their favorite, you know, things to eat, what I actually go more towards is how can you travel more sustainably and not because you can find this stuff anywhere, right? Mm-hmm. You can find things that will tell you what to do and what to see. There's a lot of really great travel bloggers. Mm-hmm. But what what I do that's very specific and it's still travel is I ask questions and I bring in guests that are able to travel sustainably who can do this as a lifestyle and not just For leisure. So that was what I was interested in for myself. Like, how do I create a freedom in my life that will allow me to travel continuously if I want to? Not just as my two weeks vacation, um, but more of a lifestyle for myself. And I found now I've interviewed over 200 people who have been able to do this with different types of work, right? Things that you would never even think people could make money in. and they're doing it and they're doing it well and they're doing it sustainably. So that's really where it all comes down to is allowing people to have the inspiration to know that you can actually make this into a lifestyle and not just a vacation.
0: The people that are interested in this lifestyle, I mean, I, I always hear, you know, I never ask people their age, Debbie, right? <laughs> but I know that, I mean, I'm in my early 30s and sort of on that in that millennial teetering older millennial era and not sure where you stand, but I know that this he idea of, ex- well. okay. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's not polite to ask a woman her age. I know that. I mean, I'm just trying to, you know, <laughs> everyone's 25, unless, uh, unless I'm told otherwise, you know, um, including Greg, Greg's, <laughs> Greg's in his mid twenties. <laughs> 35. Sorry. All
2: right. Sorry. Yeah. Cat's <laughs> out of the bag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, it's it sort of, it, it feels like our generation you know, it's really more about experience, right? And, and doing things, you know, finding things you love, not just about building a ton of wealth, but building, building a life of experience. But I'm also wondering, are there people that are maybe uh, a bit older or, or more mature who are also saying, look, my kids are out of the house. I can do this. I can live like a nomad. I'm curious if you're seeing that too, Debbie, people who are maybe in their forties or fifties with kids in college and saying, now I, I can embrace this life of travel.
1: Absolutely. I've interviewed a lot of people who are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. So it's not just millennials and Gen Z people who are thinking about this. You know, I think when you're in the 50s, 60s, even uh, 70s bracket, you have more freedom, you have the disposable income to do this. And now because of COVID, more people are actually working remotely, like, more than ever, you know, because you have no choice. And then more and more people are actually seeing that this is something that they love to do. So, yeah, this is not something that you can just say that a certain age group is really interested. This this is for everybody. You can be an adventurous soul at any age. You could be 150 if you're still alive <laughs> then, you know, and still want to experience life the way you want it. Because at the end of the day, it's not about really travel, Right. It's about freedom. It's about doing things that you love for yourself, whether it's traveling or whether it's staying home with your family because you just love being there and you want to be a part of your children's life. Or, you know, maybe you're just a homebody and you just like being there. You're an introvert. You just don't want to be around anybody. So it's really about freedom. And at the end of the day, that's what I teach people is to have the freedom that they they crave and they want.
2: Well, it's really transformative. And, you know, Matamo, we think and talk about transformative travel. It is that freedom. And it's that freedom of thinking. And I I guess I hadn't realized how turbocharged, uh, I mean, of course, I know everybody's working from home a lot more. And people are actually more productive overall. And all these changes to our society and really across the world. Uh, But I hadn't thought about it so much from the standpoint of the transformative experience that people are going through, really a different way of seeing the world, you know, a whole different perspective. And you, you were a head of the curve in the sense that you started, you know, years, really years before this, and even longer for your, your journey of finding your way. I always like to ask this question, and I kind of have already, but I just want to take it from the travel standpoint. I mean, you've been to the Middle East, Central America, South America, Asia. You've been around the block, uh, around the world uh, quite a bit. Was there ever a time on your travels where uh, you met somebody that kind of influenced you in a positive, transformative way or otherwise kind of was that in between what was and what will be kind of that moment that you just thought, okay, that's inspiring or that is such a different way of looking at things or something maybe you can't even explain that, that moved you that maybe even at the time you didn't realize, but with the benefit of time looking back, it was impactful in your life.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of different instances for me, because as I mentioned, um, one of the things that I actually did in my early 20s was I traveled, you know, the Middle East and Asia, um, and in Central America, as a photojournalist, and I worked with a lot of NGOs. And, there's a lot of misconceptions about people, you know, um, especially for Americans here, when you go to a different country, you see the news, there's a lot of things that are said about certain countries, certain people. Um, and I'm the type of person I don't believe in that stuff. And I'm, I'm experience based. I like to experience things before I make an actual decision about things. I'm just very stubborn that way. Um, And at that time, I was in Israel, and I was going to go to Palestine. I was going to work, do a shoot with a nonprofit there. But the night before, uh, there was a bombing, and they didn't allow foreigners to go in. So I had to do something else. And I ended up going to Sinai. And it wasn't even anything. There was no NGOs there. I was just like, I'm really interested in this part of Egypt because I don't really hear a lot about this area, right? And you always hear about Luxor and Cairo, the pyramids, but I'm like, what's in Sinai? Like what's there? And I know there were Bedouins there and I'm like, what are Bedouins? You know, I just started researching and this was actually uh, after the revolution that they had in Egypt. So it was a really crazy freaking time. Um, So I went there, I was kind of a little nervous because everything was kind of like crazy. and when I went to the place, I was actually with my fiance and I was the only woman in this tiny little town, right? So you go in, I'm like, oh my God, what's going to happen? And then within five minutes, like our guide, he's a Bedouin, was, I was like, oh my God, this person is the nicest person I've ever freaking met during my travels. And he stayed there for a week and he literally took us to people's homes we met the doctor we met the mayor of the town there were no tourists right we couldn't speak the language like and he brought me to this tiny little village with where these women would make um handcrafts um i didn't know the language they didn't know my language we just communicated through hand gestures they did my hair like i just immersed myself in their culture And it was really incredible because there was a correlation here with me, with my own culture in the Philippines where everyone was just very close knit. It was a family, right? Even if if you weren't blood related, like you welcome people. And that's how Filipinos are. So I felt so at home there, even in this tiny little town, right? Didn't even know the language. And like, We had the most like intellectual conversations with like doctors and their wives, and we met the mayor. I even have I still because I was photographing at that time with like a 120 rollerflex film and I still have an image of my fiance with men and they were just like in a circle on the floor, and you have the desert behind them. And they're just like talking to each other. I was like, this is so freaking cool. This is what travel is about. When you bring two cultures together, no one has any like, you know, preconceived notions. And then you just come together as human beings. And that's really when travel impacts me so much, because we still have so many things that is so similar. Right. And my boyfriend is white, I'm Asian and they're like, you know, mm-hmm. middle Eastern. Like, so this is all different cultures coming together. So it was, it was really amazing. That's awesome.
2: Wow. That's something.
0: You, you mentioned, uh, you mentioned that transformative uh, and I got a kind of a follow-up question in terms of, you know sort of a different side of the coin that of Greg's question is 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 blind spots right you talk about this this moment where where cultures came together but um we all have kind of blind spots right whether it's preconceived notions as you mentioned or or what have you uh, <laughs> or or just the fact that we've never been to a place you know before uh, we run into we, we we tend to run into things that we maybe can't see until they hit us in the face sometimes and uh those can be life-changing when we kind of recognize our blind spot. So I'm wondering if within your life journey, whether it's through travel or even starting your own business or, or you know, becoming a digital nomad, was there a blind spot for you that, that you can identify? And, and if, if so, how did you get around that blind spot? What, what helped you kind of get past that?
1: Yeah, I think for me, there's definitely a ton of blind spots, because (laughs) I'm an action taker, right? I don't do a lot of research. I'm really bad at that. Even when I travel, I just like, choose a flight somewhere. If it's in an island, I love islands, I'll just go somewhere and then I'll just learn as I go you know, I'll try to assimilate as much as I can. Um, and it's funny, because when we were in Egypt, people, I thought thought I was Egyptian, because I had darker skin, when I go to like South or Central America, like I'll speak a little Spanish, because I have a really good accent. I'm not fluent, but I know some words, but all of a sudden, I'm, you know, Latin. And obviously, in Asia, I'm Asian. So I just try to assimilate as much as I can, but there are a lot of blind spots, you know, because for me, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not someone who like goes on Google and, and reads a ton of books. So there's a lot of things that I don't know a lot of times, and that is not always a good thing, you know, Um, but the one thing, the reason why I do that is I don't want to have preconceived notions of places. Right. I will try to learn the language a little bit so I could communicate. But I don't want to go in there and be like, I know this, you know, this is the only place I'm going to go to because this is what these people told me to go to. Right. Right. And what I end up doing is I actually, um, you know, because now Airbnb is really popular. I try to go and talk to locals and ask them, like, what are the best places?" That's why I don't usually plan things out and sometimes that goes awry (laughs) and then I'd just be like in circles and I'm like oh my god I just wasted 24 hours doing nothing um but it's an adventure so a lot and that's the same thing with my business right now I tend to be a little bit more um systemized with that stuff because before I was the same thing when I traveled I'm just like let's just wing it We'll see what <laughs> happens. Um, but that always doesn't go the right way. So I've learned. Um, but I think it's been fun.
0: <laughs> Debbie uh, and Greg, this reminds me of, of previous episodes we've had. We've had folks who are thinking about uh, the, the tandem. We had a, a duo recently, Debbie, who motorcycled across the continent of Africa, right? There's two guys who probably looked out of place in their motorcycles and they, you know, asking locals where to go, what to do. And Greg's done this too. And I think that, that adventure, that uh, excitement um, to your, to your point, Debbie, you know, maybe having a script knowing exactly what you're going to do might be the quote, you know, easier or quote safer option. Right. But I think ultimately what you're limiting yourself on is the, is experiencing another place and, and, you know, I would argue even you're kind of limiting yourself to that transformation, right? If you, if you if you know exactly what you're going to do and where you're going to go, it's going to be a lot harder to have those spontaneous moments like Greg talked well, about earlier.
1: I think it's also harder if you only have two weeks vacation, right? Yeah. yeah then you're like, or good. even just a week, if you have only seven days at a place, you're like, I need to go here. This is like, I, you know, you can't afford to get lost, That's the thing. You can't afford to get lost when your time is limited. And that's exactly why it has been for almost four years, my kind of my journey to help people find their freedom, because at the end of the day, we only live once. And I'm like, I want to afford to get lost all the time. Like I want to get lost every freaking day. Like this is what life should be about is to get lost and have fun finding your way somewhere that you never even expected you would be in, whether it's travel or just life in general.
0: I love that. I want to write that. I'm, gonna, I'm writing that quote down right now. Greg. Exactly. I want to so, so afford to get lost all the time. <laughs> I'm going <laughs> to go get lost in my backyard. <laughs>
1: Yes, you de- you never well,
0: know. <laughs> we want people to a- We want people to afford to get lost so they can afford to take trips with us. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and, exactly. And and I think one of the things that Greg has done over the years which is incredible is he's done so many trips that he curates it where you feel like you're getting lost but it's all but it's 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 uh it's done kind of with an ease and an and a, an excitement that 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 you know that a safari can give you. And I think that the idea of getting lost on a trip and a journey. I mean, Greg, correct me if I'm wrong, but that is really at the heart of what you're doing here is you want people to feel that transformation, even if it is, uh, even if they only have 10 days, right. They're still working at a place they need to be. But I think finding that moment uh, and being able to feel like a digital a nomad for a week or two, is really something that that can be special, even if it's just in a moment in time for somebody.
2: Yeah. And and uh, and to, to take care of everything in a sense that you can just be in the present moment throughout the experience, which is a whole nother topic. But um, it, even to think about your own personal and you know even your professional vision, yeah. when you have that kind of time, you take off the layers. So, But um, gosh, Debbie, this has been just, just fantastic. And, and really, I'm going to continue to listen to your podcast. Um, I, I was listening to Uh, I think four yesterday and I couldn't get enough. Really. I, I I think they're great. And
1: like, that's that's where all the downloads were coming from.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That was me. Well, you've had like 150,000 downloads. So uh, I'm a a drop in the bucket, but I, uh, it's still a drop. So, and uh, I've, I've, I, I learned, uh, I learned a lot too in, in a short period of time. So just fantastic.
0: Debbie, where can people learn more about you? I know you've got a couple of things, but we'd love to kind of share with our audience, and we'll we'll post on our social pages too, of course. Uh, but we would love to know um, from you, you know, where where can people learn more about you and reach you too?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So. If- Anyone listening is interested in how to be a remote worker, digital nomad, you can visit theoffbeatlife.com. I've interviewed over 200 people who have different types of lifestyle things that are the norm and they took it on the road or things that are not so normal and they still made money from it. So if you want to do that, you can listen to, again, the offbeatlife.com. We also have a ton of free resources there for you to find out how to work online as well. Um, and if you're someone who's interested in starting your own podcast or if you have one already and you really want to take it to the next level, you can go to com. Um, I do have a workshop that I do one-on-one with people so you can apply through there as well. Thank you. So much, Bob and Greg, for having me here. It's been amazing.
0: Debbie, it's been so much fun. Uh, you've been you've been a delight, and uh, you know, just talking to you, I think it's inspiring, and, and I mean that. And and I think Greg feels the same way too. And it's really good to see people that you know. It's been a it's been a long year for everybody, and it's just yeah. good to see people like you who are still really just excited and ready to embrace life with all with 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 a total sense of fullness.
2: It's contagious.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> I hope so. That's what I'm here. <laughs>
0: uh, I'm going uh, to, after this, I'm going to make my list of the 10 places I want to see in the next 10 years. And uh, <laughs> so, thank yeah. you, Debbie.
1: Thank you so much. Thank no, you so not much. 10 years, Bob. All right. All right.
0: Next 10 months, maybe. I don't know. But 10 we're, we're... years will
2: be my age.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I love it. <laughs> all,
2: all right. right take care. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you, guys.
2: Bye-bye. Bye bye.
1: Bye.